Alexis is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never right. been anybody as right. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yeah, it's a good match. No one is in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the battle. And welcome to another edition of Spitballing Pod, episode 241 to be exact. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, Jack Harper and Alex Jones. Did do that previously where I critiqued both Alex and Jack for their punctuality, but uh, technical difficulties have meant that I won't bore them with the same thing exactly again. Anyway, plenty to get into this week. We've got news of the week. The struggles with selling players in this transfer market. Where would Grealish fit in at Man City? Is Harry Kane going about things the right way after he failed to turn up for training today? And then a little bit of uh, Don't Neal is crossing the T's when it comes to other sports that we uh, cover on the pod. Next week is the big Prem preview, so we won't go too far into that this week, but uh, we'll kind of build things up and uh, get things out of the way this week. So we're all good to go when we get there. News of the week then, and I will kick things off. Women are claiming that their boobs have gotten bigger after having the Pfizer jab. <laughs> I've had the same problem, sadly. <laughs> I had the Oxford, so uh, I can't even blame that. Um, bring your house and share your spouse. New Swingers Trailer Park is opening in Mamau. Little tagline there. Uh, a Michigan lawmaker has had to report a $221 campaign fee after he was uh, spending at a strip club as part of his uh, donation fund. <laughs> kind of bringing them extra uh, votes team build next size yep <laughs> uh, Dubai is coping with its 125 degree heat by using laser beam shooting drones to shock rainwater out of clouds that's freaky have that, any of you seen this science yeah. news yeah I saw it I saw the video of it and it's literally downpours in 42 degrees it must be so nice well, when I first saw it, I'll admit, I thought the drones were just like pouring water. Well, I just read that drones were making rain and I thought it was just going to be some massive sprinkler that Dubai <laughs> was just uh, trialling, which seems somewhat more feasible than electrocuting clouds to kind of kick them into gear. But very cool. Uh South Park's Trey Parker and Matt Stone want to buy Casa Bonita. Nice. <laughs> that is One of my favourite episodes. It, yeah, same here. And it'll now be in my head for the next week. <laughs> um, 
woman claims aunt put a hit on grandma as she didn't want her at son's wedding. Seems extreme. The way you pronounce that, I thought you said aunt. Oh, oh, it is America. American, so uh, aunt. Uh, police warning it hammocking on electricity towers, no matter how good the view is. <laughs> This is a, a growing trend, actually, if you uh, have a quick Google search. Um, and, yeah, people are justifying it by how nice the view is. So you could have quite the shock if you wake up. I'll maybe insert some symbols there. China are putting pigs in 13-storey hog hotels to keep the germs out. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> headline of the week. Um Man inserts 20 centimeter eel into his rectum in hopes of relieving constipation. Instead, he nearly died after the eel entered his abdomen. <laughs> That's amore. <laughs> How we did have a weekly face. Be where like, that is the option. <laughs> we did seem to have a weekly phase where the Include the things people put up their ass. That I believe we collection. actually had a feature on it one week because it was getting that popular. <laughs> give the people Scotch what they want. The, 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 the Scotch egg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that haunts me to this day. Maybe my favourite ever headline on the pod: smuggling Scotch eggs. Was that a six or something like that? Um, pizza delivery guy takes one slice from the box after customer refuses to tip. Huh? Pizza delivery guy took a slice from the box after uh, I refused a tip. I wonder. Um, I wonder if he did that right in front of them and, just, and turned them. around and was like, "Well, you didn't tip me." <laughs> uh, fans are petitioning for uh, Yu-Gi-Oh to become an official Olympic sport. What? I, I would I'll rather take you back. I've seen people play <laughs> ten Quidditch on broomsticks. Look, Beyblade's got to be ahead of that in the queue, surely. You could get behind that. Oh, should be. And finally, uh, Domino's disavows AEW's bloody pizza cutter spectacle on TNT. I don't know if any of you saw this. So AEW are kind of the WWE's rival. Um, they have a load of the people have gone over there, Chris Jericho being one of them. And in part of their match where they just try and push the boundaries, they're kind of trying to be like ECW. Um a guy sliced Chris Jericho's forehead open with a pizza cutter. And right as he did it, the Domino's commercial came in, in the, uh, you know, where they do the kind of uh, boxing box thing where you used to get on like WWE Attitude on whatever day, <laughs> where it shrinks and the adverts kind of fill in the screen. Yeah, so you had a Domino's advert going on, which apparently they were nothing to do with. So they're fuming that uh, <laughs> they're being linked to this stunt. Someone's looking your linen as well. Having your head sliced up with a piece of cutter. But there we go. That is your news of the week. Not so much there's been in recent weeks, but recent weeks haven't had eel news in the way that this week has. All rectum news. The key uh, yeah, I feel like that has more legs to it than uh, eel news. Um, boom. So, we're going to do something a bit different this week, and we're going to focus on the players that aren't moving or are struggling to be moved in the transfer market. Um, Meza Ertzel was kind of the poster boy for this probably a year or two ago <laughs> when he was dropped by Unai Emery, then Mikel Arteta, not registered in the squad and so on. And debates kind of rattled around about why Arsenal didn't just sell him. 
whether it's or should be forfeiting wages to go and play football somewhere else. And it does seem to depend on the player as to whether you say, why is he just picking up? Why is he just picking up a wage there, sat on the bench? He should be wanting to go and play somewhere else. And it does often depend on the player as to where we take this stance. But there seems to be a bigger issue this summer than ever before. When you look at the clearouts that certainly the big clubs wanted to have uh, for wages on their books and just players that have been loaned frequently, uh, Chelsea have sold two players. United haven't sold a single first-team player. Spurs have sold two, and that's probably Paratici's best work so far has been clearing some of these guys. Uh, Everton have sold one player. Leicester have sold none. West Ham have sold one. Man City have sold three, um, none for any significant uh, value. And so I thought if we take a look at the players, each of the top clubs in uh, inverted commas before you cut me off and we mention Arsenal, uh, trying to get rid of... <laughs> Ask whether they have a future at the club they're at. Why no other club is coming for them, etc., etc. Um, I've tried to be a bit more specific in ones where the club is actively trying to get rid of them. So for United, an example would be uh, Eric Bailly. If a bid came, if a bid came in for him that was significant, United would probably take it into account. Um, so the reports say, but they're not actively floating around to other clubs trying to get him out the door. Say, for example, if we start with uh, United, Andreas Pereira is a guy that they're actively been trying to sell for several windows now. Mm. Um, he's won his goal in pre-season, I'm sure, hasn't harmed his chances of getting out. But it looks like, if anything, United are just going to have to accept another loan and try and get some of his wages off the books. You've also got Phil Jones there as well. That's mental. Well, after 19 months out, Chris Smalling was sold, yeah. So Phil Jones has been injured for 19 months. Um, He's finally back fit. And United said they are keeping him as a member of the squad. Um, The the journalists say that United are kind of floating his name around. Apparently West Ham have been extremely interested, which is maybe the most West Ham thing ever. (laughs) But when you look at someone like Phil Jones, would you say 19 months of his career have gone? He's still a United player. He's still on a very decent wage. Should he be happy now to be a bit part player? Or do you think he should have... Look, you've, you've had 19 months of your career. You're not getting any younger. Should you be saying, I'll take any other place I can get first-team football. I just want to get out there. It's kind of tragic, isn't it, in his case? I mean, he yeah, he should be going and looking at someone like West Ham as they came in from and saying, I can revive my career there. Because... I, it's not like you're going to earn bad money either. This is the thing I don't, I don't quite get when they're like, they yeah. basically won't set, accept like any sort of uh, backward step in wages. You think, well, if you've got to take 20 or 30 grand a week less, whatever, do it and figure it out. It's a, I, I don't know. Ertzil was on 350 grand a week at Arsenal. I don't think I've ever heard a wage kind of spoken about more. Yeah. Um, and even when he did eventually join Fenerbahce, he, it was on a loan deal kind of technically. It was on a we were still paying his wages or at least a proportion of it until the end of his mm. contract. Even with getting out the door that extra six months, he, he wasn't prepared to forego the wages. And you would nice. think if you were that desperate to get out the door and kind of in this case, do you really think a team like West Ham is viable? So say Phil Jones now, say, I don't know, Swansea came in for him. They've been trying to make the move up to the Premiership the last couple of seasons hasn't quite made it. Say they came in for him, 
do you think he would see that as too much of a step down or do you think he should grab that of both hands and be first team starter at a promotion chasing club I would imagine he'll see it as too much of a step down yeah um, I think I think so I think he can I mean it's it's such a weird one with him isn't it because the way he was being spoken about when he went to United he's going to surely think he's still got something in the locker something he can offer yeah, he famously this? said he was the most talented player in the history of Manchester United. I mean, that's a quote that's aged like milk, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. There should be a market for him, you would think, but someone should probably dice really. I the think the reason a, I was an okay sorry. Premier League centre half, probably. Well, that's the reason I was asking about the Swansea thing, is I think something that we've seen far more is player power seems to be more of a thing now than it ever was, even just five, ten years ago when uh, we were following our teams then. And Arsene Wenger, I know there's the memes where it says Arsene Wenger's done it again. He he spoke in 2011 and he said, and I think whatever year Van Persie left, or I think he had one year left, he said, within the next 10 years, I think you'll see more players than not running down their contracts and leaving as a free agent rather than taking the moves where a club traditionally wants to get rid of you if you've got one year left in your contract and get some money in for you. And it seems players are kind of waking up and saying, if I wait, then I can get far more money in a year's time, even if it means sitting on the bench for a year. It's also the uh, extra power of the agents as well, isn't there? In there. Yeah. You've seen the power that they've had over the last, you say, five to ten years. It's insane. Well, I think it's, The options it's, at United... Sorry. I was just going to say it comes down to the contracts they're brought in on as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, I think there's mm. that kind of mad rush where people were paying over the odds I mean people still are but I think people are more cautious now teams I think the way that transfers are structured it's a lot more results based add-on based as opposed to a straight like Daniel Drinkwater being on 130 <laughs> yeah players now you've seen uh, Wilshire's had it the last two contracts he's had Andy Carroll's had it in Newcastle payers you play contracts are actually becoming a thing now they're not quite literally like your zero hour, like you come into work, you're getting your money, <laughs> but you're far more, say Andy Carroll, who would have been cases, on like 60, 70, 80 grand a week, is now being given like a flat fee of 15 grand, and if he plays, then he's getting far more. Yeah, it's definitely a, it's one-off cases, but I mean, uh, clubs seem to be watching their finances a bit more, which is why you're, it's harder to get rid of some of these players. We, we seem to have seen far more kind of will take a punt on them kind of players previously than we do now. Mm. Where we get loans and things like that. Because United, so Phil Jones will be in the pecking order behind. Harry Maguire, Varane, Eric Bailly is still there. They say Lindelof is their kind of strong third choice. The Athletics say they won't rule out United going to a five in big games next season because they feel they've got one of the best possible three-man defences in world football with Varane, Maguire and Lindelof. So make of that what you will. Um, basically, I'm saying he's going to be sixth or seventh in the pecking order. So He's fucked. Yeah. Um, Chelsea, then, the names are far more. We won't go as in-depth as we have done with all of those there. But Marcus Alonso seems to be the one that's being linked. Um, I don't think Tuchel sees him as being a legit member of his squad going forward. Uh He's an older player. He's on big money. I'm 
I'm not doing this as a Chelsea dig, which it always seems, but money means less to Chelsea than it does to a lot of these other clubs. Um, but even still, they're trying to get some of these wages out the door. The names I've got down, Jack can correct me if he thinks I'm wrong in trying to get some of these out the door. Marcus Alonso, Kurt Zuma, uh, uh, Emerson Palmieri, Baba Raman, if you haven't heard that name in a while. Uh, Zappa Costa, the magician. Uh, Bakayoko, Jack's favourite player. Ross Barkley, Danny Drinkwater, uh, Loftus Cheek. Um, Tuchel spoke after the game yesterday saying it's fully in his hands as to what he wants to do next. Um, Tammy Abraham, Batshuayi, Kennedy, who I coined as one of the worst Premier League footballers I've ever seen <laughs> and does statistically own the worst ever half of Premier League football, if anyone didn't know that. Blimey. When he was at Newcastle, he missed a penalty. He missed a shot from near enough on the line. Um, he was booked. He didn't complete a tackle. He didn't complete a pass. And he's another shot on target. Um, and I backed Newcastle that day. So even better. Four. But Jack, just some of those names. So that is some level of Deadwood. Dear Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Dear so. Perry Groves was on commentary on the Arsenal-Chelsea game yesterday. I switched off after about 40 minutes. The stream was awful. I wasn't paying eight quid for it. And the football was worse than you could even imagine. Perry Groves tried making this horrible analogy. He was like, uh, it's Adrian Clark, the co-coms was. He's the Arsenal TV guy. And he says, uh, hey, uh, I don't know if you uh, watch Love Island with your missus. And he shut it down. But he's like, no, I don't. No, I've got no interest in it. And he's like, well, I hear basically around this time of the year, they have some kind of culling. And he's like, oh, no, I've got no interest. Like, it doesn't. Like, well, I mean, I don't watch it either. But in the spirit of Love Island, Chelsea, you would think when you look at their bench, they're trying to have a Love Island kind of get rid of some of these players because there's no coupling up with Chelsea. What? And there was like a 15-second silence oh, on the oh. airwaves. And Adrian Clark went, yeah, yeah, like I said, I've got no interest in Love Island. Oh, dear <laughs> Lord. People love a bit of banter between the co-coms, don't they? Like, oh, there's a bit of it was like, He just wasn't entertaining. I don't know if like, his daughter's like, applied for Love Island and he's been like, not back, but he, he seemed to really detest <laughs> the idea of it. I mean, kudos to him for standing strong on his values there. That's what you've got to say, I guess. I'm cringing at that second hand. I can't imagine listening yeah. to that. If, yeah, if we I go mean, through the list, Jack, Alonso then, are you think, surprised Chelsea haven't found a buyer? Um, I, I think Alonso is it is weird because Emerson Palmieri, whenever he's come on, he's, he's looked all right. And he's played well in, for Italy in the Euros when... Uh, Spinozola was went out. Yeah. Um, and then Marcus Alonso, they, they love him because of his height. Whenever we play like a, a team that likes to lump the ball in the box, but they stick Alonso in the team. Every manager, Sarri yeah. said it, Frankie said it, and Tickle said it as well. We love him for his height. And he crops up with some really important goals. Um, like the one against Man City in the league springs to mind. I think. I'd keep Alonso's backup for Chilwell, definitely. I mean, I'd, if we lost one of Alonso or um, Palmieri, I don't really mind who goes, but we obviously need a backup. Do you not um, think Tuchel's seen Palmieri? Because as you said, there was a lot of questions when the Euros were on where people would see Palmieri. Who does he play for? And then you'd hear he'd been loaned out by Chelsea. And it was a shock to quite a lot of people. 
Do you know, if, you, if you're if you've got a choice of the two and you can't sell either you're probably <laughs> that's the issue yeah i mean palmieri came on against atletico madrid in like the last minute his first touch of the game was to bury one yeah the yeah box. so i mean alonso does come up with a goal every now and again and it's usually an important one he's this just isn't so, so much as to whether you would keep them though it's are you surprised there's if Chelsea are actively no, trying to I, kind of float his name around. I, I think, yeah, I think both of them, if an offer, serious offer came in, I know that Palmier has been um, linked to, I think it's Inter or Napoli for like, the last season. But they, we want like 10 million more than what they want to pay for him. Um, I think if an offer came in, they'd probably accept, accept either or and keep either or. Um, These Italian clubs are bastards. They are the most vile <laughs> bunch in the world. Inter, this is a man who's been burned here. Well, Inter in particular, they've just raked in about 80 million for Hakimi. And they're putting in loan with options for the likes of Palmieri, Bellerin. It, they are, they've single-handedly ruined the market because teams <laughs> have realised, well, why don't we just do that? I mean, if only championship clubs were interested in all our players... And maybe they had a little spell at Liverpool first. We'd all be making fortunes. <laughs> but Alonso, I don't know if it's something where Tuchel is maybe trying to shift some of these older players. And the, I mean, even for us that don't follow Chelsea too closely, his reputation isn't great in terms of how he's been with managers previously. Um, I think if you're Tuchel, he's a guy you'd try and get rid of and maybe... It's a couple of seasons too late because, was he 31 now? Chelsea, the money that they'll probably want, coupled with the wages, Alonso will probably want. It's no surprise you're struggling to get him out the door. Yeah, I think that's the problem. I think we did well with William and David Louise and things like that, getting rid of them when we did because the last thing we want is to give him another contract and then stink out the place. No, no, no. no, no that's, that's the, you, you did want to give William another contract. Just unfortunately for us, we offered <laughs> you got a better lucky. one. That, that was luck. We that, were, wasn't, that wasn't you did particularly well. We were, we were adamant that we weren't going to go over two years. Can you want to yeah, yeah. That's, I agree with that. But I mean, it wasn't that you were happy to sneak him out the door as, as and when. Um, no, I just mean it's, like it's good business because we could have quite easily caved and given him three and that would have been very chancy to do so and then just be stuck with a high-paid player that isn't going to feature at all for us. Yeah, times have changed Arsenal. There was a time when Arsenal wouldn't offer Robert Perez a three-year contract because he'd gone over 30. And, uh, That's mad. And you see uh, William Borges de Silva, who we'll get to a little later, it feels um, like de- feels destined like a mid-table La Liga team will come in for Alonso. It just feels like one of those moves. Yeah. Well, that's the thing as to whether he wants that move. Or, I'll t- tell you what seems very, like, on brand would be Barcelona coming in for him and doing one of their <laughs> weird money laundering moves. <laughs> well, we've been saying all summer about some of these players that you, know, you can see such and such at this point, a club's going to come in for him. And the issue we're having here is that these clubs aren't coming in for them. And there's only so many stupid clubs that can go between some of these players because a lot of them, well, to, to the next one, Kurt Zuma, who his name's being floated around. The issue Chelsea are having here is more than one club's interested. So he seems to be more interested in West Ham 
who aren't going to pay the 40 million Chelsea are asking for. Um, Jesus. While at the same time, Chelsea want to send him to Sevilla to compensate the Koundé deal, where he's more interested elsewhere. So rather than having no one interested, Chelsea are being burned here by having more than one club interested. Yeah, I think Kurt Zuma is a weird one because he can be great and he can also be completely erratic. And he looks... He can either look very assured or extremely shaky, all in one half. Um, and he does give away a lot of stupid fouls. One, again, springs to mind is Sterling in that Man City game in the league, mm. um, where he bundled Sterling over and it should have been a penalty. <laughs> and I just couldn't believe it wasn't given. He's done that a lot. He did Rashford and Frank Lampard's first game at Old Trafford as well to give away a penalty. And he's not the most assured of players. And I think... Christensen is like come up Trump's really and Thiago Silva's absence and won that spot in the defence as of last season. I just don't think there's space for Zuma. And I think we're looking long term Thiago Silva probably going to be out the door at the end of next season, I imagine, because he's going to be absolutely ancient. Yeah. Um, and we're looking for that next one. And I don't think they see Zuma as the long term option. I think they can Tony see... Only just got rid of the young centre-back. <laughs> again, yeah, it's absolutely insane that Gray, I mean... Livermento's just been confirmed for Southampton. Yeah, I know, I've seen minute. that. We're literally... All these young talent that we're completely excited by are now just flooding out the door, and it's, it's shit. <laughs> I'm honest. Well, this is, I think this, is, this ties into what we're saying, because at a time when clubs do need to get some money through the door... Um, you're almost looking like what Arsenal have with the Leno Martinez situation where there's no market for one, so you have to sell the other if you want to be able to get your money in for your other targets. So Yeah, I think a you're couple right. of these like Chelsea, Sorry. I mean, we've raised about sixty million this transfer window alone without buying anyone well, either. And I think we're just trying to recoup a number of these mil we bought in last year. Yeah. A number of these that will run through, I mean they're fairly, uh, they can kind of be put in the same box. So, uh, Baba Raman, uh, Zappa Costa, Bakayoko, uh, Drinkwater, uh, Kennedy, Batshuayi. Essentially, you're hoping for a buyer to come in. If they don't, you're going to go to the loan, the loanee that's going to supplement the, as much of their wages as possible. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any great kind of thinking going in with Chelsea there it's get his name get their names as much as possible and hope for the best Drinkwater's the ones... a weird one because his contract runs up this, this year so I thought he was out of contract this summer and I was absolutely buzzing must he's be kind of a year then maybe he's, well, he was up in 2021 it says and it's five year deal signed back in oh, he's still listed on your um, club website because that's where I've taken the no, squad from no he's, he's been training with us that's what I'm yeah I'm I can't figure out who the fuck gave him an extension. <laughs> you know, maybe sometimes they go with the NBA way where they give a player option of extending. And if you drink water, then I mean, if your best option otherwise is a Kasim Passer in Turkey, then <laughs> to right, you extend your deal for another year. So maybe it's one of those. You wouldn't even no, see no. you keeping him around him because he's good for the camp. He's clearly a bastard. No, no. no, I know. And like, you think that, Bakayoko we brought in for big money as well. Um, I think it was yeah. something like 60 40, million for Drinkwater oh, yeah. and um, Bakayoko. That's a rough time. Well, so before we move on to the other players, because Liverpool do have quite a few as well, as do 
Arsenal and so on. There's three English players. And if I ask you, not what you would do, Jack. <laughs> hang on, what's going on here? <laughs> a rough and tumble. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> Jack, did you do a forward roll? I didn't know. He was so shook when you bring it up these free English players. <laughs> this, this is the most cursed episode ever. Oh, Jack just fell out no. I think the most cursed was um, the Liverpool Chelsea transfer episode. Was that the one where we came around yours? Yeah, yeah. On the, one of the hottest days in history. Oh, no. Yeah. no, no, no. Um, so yeah, Jack, I'll ask you about these Chelsea players, and it's not what you would do, but what you think by the end of the transfer window, what will happen with these players. So if we start with the dreaded Ross Barkley, now if I take you back, <laughs> there was a point in, I'd say, about November of last year, where you said, there's a player at Aston Villa, actually looks quite decent, we wouldn't mind having him at uh, Chelsea, I think, for the way the season's going so far. Um the season didn't quite end with you clamouring for him in the way that you were at that stage in the season. I think it was worse than no... that. It, it, it was more go... extreme, really. I think he was like, why did we get rid of him? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. It was like, crying. we need this guy. It was said in a jestful tone. I will, I will it wasn't at that point. No. At that point, he was, was balling was... at Villa. He just fingered Liverpool. You thought, okay, yeah. this is what you're supposed to be. Yeah, I mean... I, Chelsea were floundering under Frank. Ross so, Barkley would be like the perfect transfer for West Ham or Aston Villa. It's a shame that. Well, I'll tell you now, the only club he's been linked with in this window is a loan move to Newcastle if they can't get Joe Willock. Oh my God. His <laughs> stock has fallen so far. And that's, that's even paper gossip. So that's, that's not crazy. like we're only counting like viable, realistic links. This is. Like just anything, this we've seen. Like, not even the Sunday Sport are writing about Ross Barkley going to <laughs> Ross County. I mean, I've heard that West West Ham were interested if they can't get Jesse Lingard back. But even then, I mean, it's we're clutching his straws. Well, you're not so much clutching. I am. Um, I think he'll be out the door. I don't know how he's going to be out the door because we we never seem to do well at getting rid of these Deadwood players. Like, you know, your Liverpools where fucking Lazar Markovic, someone just comes <laughs> in for Lazar Markovic or Jordan Ive or something for 15, <laughs> 20 mil. Um, we're not quite as adept at doing that. Um, I guess maybe because the wage structure at Liverpool is a bit different. So those players are more achievable for like your Bournemouths and whatnot. But um, yeah, I think... He'll be out the door. I want him out the door, and there's no space for him now. I've got. Do you think? Do you think a club takes him? I think what you, what you would do is what you think will happen. A, a mid-table team. I don't think. It, I don't think a club comes in for him personally. I think his best bet was to do well at Villa in hopes that they he'd get a starting spot there, and towards the end he couldn't even start there. So. Do you think he's stuck at Chelsea? I think he is. Yeah, I think. I think alone is probably this far into the transfer window as well. I think. So. Something would have been done if it could have been done regarding him. I think we'll see a lot of loans towards the end of uh, the window. But what's her name at Chelsea? Marina, isn't it? Yeah, Kronskin. Do, do you think Kronsky. when some of these players you're struggling what to do, they at least go, have you tried phoning Arsenal? <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you got Eddie on the phone? David number 10. Have you heard about Ross Barkley? 
I think of that meme of those guys that Sash sat down and bow them girls again, like, and I just think bow Arsenal again. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> yeah, Eddie, you got to listen to me here. Your creative issues, if I just show you and he just sends the Villa Liverpool highlights, does this not look like a guy that could improve your team? <laughs> yeah. The other, the other two then, so Loftus-Cheek, do you think he's still at Chelsea come the end of the window? Again, it's really up in the air because we've seen what he can do, but we've also seen what he can do, if that makes sense, where yeah. he didn't particularly do much at Fulham. And I don't know if that's because they were just struggling anyway. I don't. I think, do you look at that team, where does he get in? I just don't see where he plays. I think in midfield is pretty much nailed with Kovacic and Georgina rotation all around Kante. And then maybe you'd keep him because... Billy Gilmore's gone on and loan and he can yeah. fill in in midfield. I think that's an option. But like I said, um, he, he usually plays further, more advanced. If he played with four, he plays in the 10. If he played with three at the back, he usually plays in one of the wide forwards, which is occupied at the moment, which is probably our most populated areas on the pitch with either Havertz, Vernon, Mount, Vdh, etc. Pulisic and Hudson Adoy can play there also. And I think they do better jobs with the speed that we like to play at. So, so I don't think he really fits into the team as well as he would have done if he was still playing four at the back. I think there must have been some conversations around Chelsea about um, the fight for places this season and perhaps how playing time was going to be at a minimum for some players. Because I don't know if you saw the interviews after the Arsenal game yesterday. Um, I saw them after the fact, so I wasn't tuned in, locked to my screen at that point. But uh, Tuchel was interviewed about uh, Pulisic, who came on during the game at right wing back. Uh, yesterday and he said that after speaking to him he's open to playing there more this season and that gave me the impression that these Chelsea players really do think that they're fighting for their places and so it's a case of if you can get in the team you get in the team rather than I want to be a left winger I want to be playing further forward this that yeah so that would indicate that maybe for some of these players that we're talking about now there isn't going to be the gaps that they perhaps think there is yeah, no, I agree. I think Mount is a starter every single game, whether you like it or not, he is. And then it's Havertz and Werner that will start next to him. And I think they're going to be so difficult to dislodge. I don't see a place with um, Ziyech, really, which is mental to think of when he was one of our star signings last summer. Um, Pulisic is an odd one because if he's fit, he plays. But I think as a Chelsea fan, we kind of take it as he's. We take it as a bonus if he is fit. We don't ever plan on having him fit for a run of games. It's one of those where he does brilliantly for like three or four games, and he'll be out injured for four to six weeks. Well, Loftus Cheek is twenty-five now. In January, he'll be twenty-six. Do you think if and you mentioned I feel about some of these clubs, the likes of Newcastle, Palace, etc. If one of them, say, they look at their budget, they've got three, four million left, and they submit that to Chelsea, say, look, we'll take him off your hands, guaranteed sale, wages off the books. Do you think Chelsea take it? Because there comes a point, and 25 seems about that time, where you stop saying you're waiting for the potential now. Because we have been hearing it about Loftus-Cheek. No one doubts the ability, but you do have to be able to show it on the pitch regularly enough. Do you think they say that's money in the books, we take it? 
I think they probably how is. much is his value going to increase with a year on the bench or a year on loan? Yeah, no, I, th- I think he'd probably take it. It'd be right for him as well, I think, as well. I think coming to the age, like you said, he is now, if you haven't nailed down or even nailed down a contender spot, let alone a starting spot in the squad, and you're coming back from a indifferent period at Fulham, breaking into a team that's just won the Champions League, I think he's going to find it difficult to do so, especially in a, a team that plays a system that doesn't suit him because he's not a six and he's not really an inside forward. So he doesn't really fit into the team. So the last one of these, and then we'll move on, is Tammy Abraham. So he's been linked quite frequently in the last uh, fortnight or so to Arsenal. I thought it was interesting yesterday is to kind of when you see him on the pitch and you follow him after the game, you see what's going on. Um, the the rumour was going to be that it was going to be one of those loans, not with an obligation, but uh, that you play 10 times this season and then we'll pay this much or whatever it is. Do you think Chelsea are that keen to get him off the books and have some guaranteed cash? I'd imagine the clauses put in place are that the, you're going to get a significant amount of cash. I don't see a sell in Tammy now, personally, because now with letting Giroud go, I, like, Tammy is our only out-and-out number nine that we have on the books currently. There's the I'm not young lad um, is just, is it Broha or something like that? Yeah. Do you know, what, do you know what I mean? Who's been brought and, up to the first team? Andrew and Broha. Broja. Yeah. Um, both, I think it's Tino, yeah, Tino Broja, isn't it? So, probably the most advanced when it comes to that. But I think at the end of this season, Tammy will have one year left on his deal. I think, I think we keep him for another season, personally. I think if someone comes in for him, like the 30, 40 million mark, I think we probably do get rid. But the problem is, is that's all we've been linked with, (laughs) alone with 40 mil. We've been we're at the position now where we've been trying to get a number nine all window. In Harlan looks like he's pretty much untouchable, um, and he will go next season. The Athletic reporting today that you're still after Lukaku. Yeah, I've heard, I've seen that as well. And again, he's come out and said that he's pretty happy to stay at Inter. There's no way of yeah. Inter say the same. I don't really think like if if Inter give rumbles that they would accept a bid or Lukaku gives rumbles that he would leave, you would take it. But when they're both saying that he's definitely staying, I just don't see it happening, um, <clears throat> which is sad. But at the same time, I don't see us entering into a Bakayoko kind of, or a drink water deal, like a, a make-do deal just to save sign someone. Because that's that leaves in the same issues that we have now with players that in next season will be just completely redundant and no one will want to pay for them because they'll be sat on the bench all season. So I see us holding on to Tammy for one more season and trying to go big next season when hopefully Inter have a few more troubles, the Kaka wants to leave, or we put a hat in the ring for Haaland along with the rest of the world and see who he chooses. I I think Tammy leaves this season. And I, I just I don't think... see who we get in, though. That's the thing. That, I don't see the backup that we get in for Tammy that will still be in contention when we try and sign a proper number nine in a couple of years in next next summer, say, for example. I think the justification in the Chelsea uh, boardroom will be that Havertz plays there, Timo plays there. Both of them have a fairly decent injury record and you're bank on one of them being fit enough to 
play there if needed. And Tuchel hates him. Yeah, and that as well. It's frustrating because I should be sat here saying that Timo Werner had a tough season. Um, he usually scores 35 goals for most clubs. And he'll be 100% number nine next season for us. But I just... Of how... I think Havertz is pretty clearly your main man. <clears throat> I do too. And um, especially from that goal he scored yesterday. Yeah, We're nice. trying in this two up front at the moment with no inside forwards, just Werner and Havertz up front, three at the back, and then packing the midfield. And it, I know it's pre-season, you can't really tell a lot from it, but it was creating a fair few chances. And Havertz does seem pretty ice cold in front of goal, I have to say. Yeah, the ones that went to Havertz went in, the ones that went to Timo didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, the breakdown. <laughs> If if we move on, because we got our preview next week, so I'm sure more will have happened by then. So uh, Liverpool 2K, another one where some of these names like the uh, Ramans and uh, Zappa Costas, I think are fairly cut and dry, but some less so. Um, Carrius and Ben Davis, you'd think uh, in that bracket, would you say, where if an offer comes in, you're going to take it? Any offer, yeah. Ben Davis... Uh, I mean, I don't know what he was told when signing for Liverpool, but Celtic supposedly were the ones closest, uh, and they wanted him before he went to Liverpool last time. Um, the ones, uh, sorry, uh, Minamino, I thought would be in that same uh, bracket is Carrius and Ben Davies, so I think you might be a bit more picky with with that one. Um, the ones that I thought you'd give some second thought to, depending on the bids, despite the fact that you want them. Gone were uh, Nico Williams, Ox, Shakiri, and Origi. And then Nat Phillips, I put in the bracket of you're happy for him to leave, but only for the right price. Kind of like the buy you want. It's probably fair. Yeah, it's probably fair. Apparently, Brighton want Nat Phillips as the uh, Ben White replacement. Interesting. So, you know, they've got money, which always helps. <laughs> Not Phillips is going to Burnley. Everyone wants him to get to Burnley. It's just seems yeah. a natural fit. Nico Williams made it tougher for the selling club when they've come out and said, look, I want to leave. When he's done an interview saying as much. Ox is the opposite. He's radio silent. I think he falls in the camp where you start asking questions of what do you value more, being a Liverpool player or playing first-team football? I don't yeah. know if you'd agree with that. Yeah, I think so. And Minamino, I think, is kind of the same... And Origi are probably the same. Shakiri has come out and said he wants to leave. Yeah, I, I think Shakiri and Origi, there's, there's been a, a year or two where it's kind of a case of if we can get the right offer, we'll let you go. Obviously, Shakiri is pretty close to the door last year, wasn't he? Yeah, the issue with Shakiri again is it's Italian clubs interested in him. Yeah, yeah. Lazio and Udinese, I believe, are the two. And he, he's come out and said that Lazio are the two. So he finds Lazio, did not he? So. If I give the same uh, thing and I'll ask you whether you think they stay or whether you think they go. Um, Nico Williams, do you think he's still there come the end of the window? I think someone comes in for him. I don't think it'll cost too much. I think he's worth a gamble for someone. I think as a young player who, when he first broke in in the pool, people thought he was going to be a good Premier League right back. I think someone will take a chance on that. Do you think and it's a weird situation to be in, and it's not one that um, Michael Edwards is ever going to consider. Do you think some of these players that have left Liverpool and have not delivered for the fee they've gone for, 
puts other clubs then coming in and paying the same price. And with Nico Williams, the one I'm thinking of was uh, Kiana Herver that went to Wolves, yeah. where he's, what, yeah. now third, fourth choice. Do you think that plays into it at all or not? Or they back their own scouting departments to say we've made our own mind up? Yeah, I, it might make the, the haggling a little bit more. I imagine you probably do think, well, you lot sold Jordan Knight for 20 million. I can't trust you. But uh, I, I don't think it makes too much difference. Ultimately, the proof's been in the pudding so far. If we started selling yeah. players for next to nothing or couldn't get rid of them, then it might be. But I don't, I don't see this having an effect yet. Yeah. I guess the ones that have stunk have been the ones where the club's bought into it more for the allure of having not seen enough of them when you think of your Solanke, Herbert, Ibe, etc. I was, I was about to say that I could as much as they've looked bad in hindsight, I could at least make the argument for why I could see the clubs did it. Solanke, I actually can't make an argument. I have no <laughs> idea why they dropped £20 million on him. No idea. But Trading ground stories. Must have been. Um, Nat Phillips, what do you think? Uh, I think, like, yeah, I'm kind of happy to have him around, but I feel like he should go if he really wants to get anywhere near a first team because you think what we've got I mean, unless they get injured again, but then you'd have Van Dijk, Gomez, Matip and uh, the new lad all ahead of him. I mean, even Fabinho would be ahead of him in filling it. So I would probably, and in all honesty, his stock is never going to be higher than it is currently. It's in the second half of that season. It's probably as good as it gets for him. So he should probably make the move now. The difference with selling to a Europa League club and probably for the conference in this, to the Champions League is some of these guys you keep around to be your backup options in that situation, whereas there isn't a situation where you really want him being a starter in the Champions League regardless, so it doesn't really play into it, does it? No, and once you're, as a centre-half, once you're in Dante's sort of fifth and sixth choice, yeah, like Phil Jones, it's, it's time to go. You're not, you yeah. aren't getting in. It's not like... He was like tier two to Germany, wasn't he, before he came back to Liverpool yeah. played this season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Pretty impressive. I, I love stories like that. It's, it's quite cool. Um, Ox, there's not been really any rumours around his name. Um, do you think this is one where, unless he actively kicks up a stink to try and go somewhere, you're struggling to get him out? Yeah, and Ox, Ox's stock is low at the minute. But you think If you just yeah. have a few games... Even if you wanted to sell him, if you were to be really cynical and say, right, I'm going to give him some games and then sell him next year, you'd get more money that way, probably. Or even a loan spell. You know, I know we spoke the other week that he could probably do a loan spell like uh, Lingard yeah. did. You, you wouldn't rule that out. So, and I mean, we haven't yet replaced Wijnaldum either. So no. I don't think we're going to be in the business of getting rid of players like Ox whilst yeah, we've still got a hole sure. in there. Um, Shakira, we've, we've spoken about. Um, Minamino and Origi, do you think both of those go, neither of those go, one of them goes? Well, if you'd asked me earlier in the summer, I would have said Origi definitely goes. I thought him and Shaq would probably, this would be it now. They've had their run. It's the thing about this. Another case of, yeah, people aren't coming in for Origi, it would seem. Uh, which seems an odd one. I would have thought he probably won't cost a lot of someone that's going to get a good striker there. Not a top, top striker, but a good striker. Um, I thought someone abroad might, might fancy that. Minamino, I think they'll give more of a chance to. I think only because they'll make the argument he hasn't had fully enough of a chance. I think they'll give him this season. And he has looked okay in pre-season as well, importantly. So I think 
I mean, how many games he's going to start is obviously a trickier question. Yeah. But I think they will at least have him around with the possibility of uh, playing more games to see what he can do. I don't think they want to uh, give up on it just yet. We spoke last week, didn't we, about seemingly there being more stock in pre-season this year than ever before. And like I've seen Arsenal fans saying, why are these players playing when we don't want them next season? And it's very much like you said, shop window stuff, which people find hard to get their head around. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's same as people struggle to get their head around the fact that losing a pre-season game isn't the end of the world, but they still yeah. can't quite get their head around that one either. Well, speaking of that, we're on to Arsenal, who uh, have lost more pre-season <laughs> games than they've won. Um, this was okay, that, that could be the end of the world. I take it back. Yeah. That could be. This was billed as being uh, kind of the big clear-out summer at Arsenal. There was a lot of all these articles about this is the summer. It's all contracts off the books. Uh, Mustafi's contracts off the books. We thought Kalasnach was. Turns out there's another year. But basically, all these big contracts coming through. This you know, you had a big rebuild. Um, harder to get these guys out the door than anyone understands. And I think when you look at Liverpool and the way we speak about their transfer business, when you're struggling to get someone like Shaq out the door. Yeah. yeah. Edu, who the only players he's ever got out the door has been uh, Emmy Martinez, who ideally would have liked to have kept. <laughs> and everyone else that he's sold, he's terminated their contracts. He's never got rid of an unwanted player, is something that has caused concern about. That's hideous. Um, yeah, this, this list of names. So Hector Bellerin, a guy where... We rejected, I think, 25 million last summer from PSG. Um, we said that we wanted closer to 40, and then they went and got Florenzi instead on a loan with an option, which Italian clubs doing everyone a favour again. Um, so Inter Milan wants him this summer. Apparently, they offered 10 million. Um, <laughs> and then they offered an option with 15 to 20. And we're either saying you have an obligation or you pay a lot more up front with the option. Um, Kalasadach, who's one kind of different to the rest of these bar one, who it's hard to see even being kind of integrated back in with a team. He's, he's been playing in pre-season, an absolute stinker yesterday, him and Bellerin. Um, both came on and both... Bellerin did a back pass for Tammy to score and Kalasinac did his best to uh, play in Ziyech. He's now third choice left back at Arsenal in the season when there's no European football. Um, he looks like one who is going to get his contract terminated, which is uh, the big break if you are a footballer, I guess. Get I legit thought he was gone. Play where you want. Yeah, I think we thought his contract ended this year and it's one where we obviously didn't have the full details. If you, if you want an insight to how bad some of these players are, Mustafi still doesn't have a club, by the way, as a free agent. He went to uh, <laughs> Schalke and then they terminated his contract there. Jesus. That's and he's rough. A free, he's a free agent there. Kalasanach they wanted to keep, but kind of what we said earlier, his wages, the, the president literally came out and said, we can't afford the wages he wants. We'd love to have him stay. They made him captain upon his return. But doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to play in the Bundesliga 2. Lucas Torreira, the forgotten man, um, went to Atletico Madrid, I think, made 26 appearances throughout the season, mixture of on the bench and starts, mainly from the bench. Came out in about May, maybe, said he doesn't want to return to England. 
wants to go to Boca Juniors, a team whose record signing is about 3.4 million. Um, says that when he's not playing football, he gets very depressed. He's seeing a psychologist and all of this. Uh, he actually hasn't even returned to Arsenal yet. I know he's been in the Copper America, but Saka returns this week. Um, so I've not even really seen any links. Italy were interested, but again, as we've said a number of times here, they don't want to pay the money, which is the big issue. And Torreira seems pretty specific as to where he wants to go. He does still have, I think, three years left on his deal, though, so he he best stop start being a bit more uh, happy about where he goes or returns and it's on Arteta to integrate him in, which in a team where Alneni looks like he's going to start the first game of the season, you'd think maybe there is room for a player like that. Alneni, another one, looks like he's going to get a new deal. Um, the less said about that, the better. Uh, <laughs> got another year on his contract. Um, a utility player who seems happy to be a utility player. So there's that. And I think Xhaka, the big name at Arsenal this season that's been linked with a move elsewhere, stock probably hasn't been higher as it was coming off the game against France at the Euros. Even then, this summer, um, so the bid that Roma submitted, they submitted a 12 million bid up front with 3 million in add-ons, in Euros, by the way, and didn't increase it after that. So that was the only bid that we had for him. And it looks like he's getting a new deal now um, until 2025. My words. Yeah. What? Yeah. Um, Look, mate, I know we were desperately trying to get you out the door. But here, <laughs> have, here have a new deal till 2025. In, in fact, it's not a great... Uh, Come on. No, no, I'm saying it, it's not a great... Um, mark of appreciation for him in that he is very much best of a bad bunch at Arsenal that he's quite clearly the second best midfielder at the moment in terms of who's going to start next to Thomas Partey when he's fit um, I thought Edu was obviously probably selling it to Arteta Look, we keep him, he's been a reliable guy for the most part apart from when he isn't and we'll spend that money elsewhere which you know, we'll see how that goes Joe Willock, kind of in the category with Shakiri, um, sorry, with um, like Nat Phillips and uh, Tammy, for example, where you're expecting there to be a market for him. The only offer has been Newcastle on loan, which looked at a point like it was going to go through. Now, looks like he could stay at Arsenal. The window just isn't there. Lacazette, a guy who apparently had a full sale sign over his head. We want about 13 million for him. Uh, Let's go, the only team interested, and they're basically an Italian club in terms of how they spend money. <laughs> Unless it's like Yao Felix, maybe. In fact, they spend money when they need to, but they're not going to spend money on him when they can get Griezmann or Suarez for free. They normally spend money after they sold someone for big money, isn't it? Yeah. So, William, we were told, was guaranteed to leave. Um, almost this clear out is not going well. Yeah, the options aren't there. He was linked with Saudi in the week. That was quickly uh, put to bed saying that's not happening. And his wage demands are too much for even America. So, uh, Eddie Nketiah, another guy, kind of, you, I think Arsenal look at what Liverpool got for Solanke and feel they should be getting the same despite it not working like that. 
I think we're hoping that West Ham or Leverkusen or someone like that that's been interested will come in and we'll get 15 to 20. But so far, no good. Has David and, Luiz gone? He has, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, his contract expired. Um, and Reese Nelson, a, a guy who apparently they're willing to accept offers for, but it looks like he'll go on loan, I think. Perry Palace interested because he is from South London. Um, <laughs> that's it, Palace. But he he was the one who was known at the time as being him and Jaden Sancho were mates, and he was the better of the two. But obviously harder to do it in a uh, senior shirt than it is at youth level, so see how that goes. Um, Spurs, now, I referenced earlier that they seem to be doing a better job than most in terms of getting some of these players off the books. Um, Older World's left, it looks like Sissoko's leaving and um, following into the uh, UAE. Uh, but I think it's going to be for, without a fee again, but just getting his wages off the books. The other two names that are being linked with a move away from Spurs, the first is Davinson Sanchez. So I think this is what gave Chelsea the idea because Spurs actually had a bit accepted from Seville for uh, Koundé's again. I think that was 30 million plus Davinson Sanchez. Koundé rejected the bid saying he doesn't want to go to Spurs. Nasty. Yeah. Um, I, I know Jack enjoyed that when I told him. I, I won't confess to have watched a lot of Kunde's games, I have to say. But that's enough for you. Yeah, that'll do it. He and does not get <laughs> stolen. Now, the now other William's one. gone, we've got another He Hates Tottenham to chat. <laughs> so, seemingly even people that you would think wouldn't even really know much about Spurs don't seem to like Spurs. I mean, Chiellini, when he said history of the Tottenham, I thought, what have you even heard about Tottenham previously? (laughs) Just before he goes on, go (laughs) say this, go on. Harry Winks is the other guy who it seems Spurs are maybe trying to show the door, but no offers incoming. Alex, do you think either of those two get out the door this summer? Uh, I think... Winks might have a last minute loan move, maybe, um, if we can't get Premier him out on the uh, Maybe lower lower tier Prem, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up being Championship. Um, and as for Sanchez, um, I don't see that happening uh, on the basis that we haven't got, we need to get in a replacement centre back. Certainly for Alderweireld, and yeah. um, and I don't. I think we're going to. That's going to be a harder than yeah. a lot that's of people realise. You don't want to yeah. money at the moment. Yeah, it's going to be a lot harder than I realise, which is going to force our hand to keep Sanchez, so we can keep some stock at the back. Otherwise, we're going to be uh, Eric Dyer and a one-man band at the, at the centre back. <laughs> something to think about, which we'll, we'll reference later. We'll probably do more on next week. Uh, so Spurs submitted a bid for uh, Romero that hasn't been increased. Now, what the reports say is that Spurs have essentially told him, look, you need to make it clear to them that you want to leave. They should accept the bid then. Which is interesting when you compare that to the Harry Kane situation in which <laughs> he's trying to force his way out. So I think you'll see some comparisons there as we go on. But what really did get me about Spurs when I was kind of doing these lists of of the big teams, their squad is probably 
and I, I don't know if Alex will take offence to me saying this, the, the quality isn't there in terms of, like, if you compare it to Chelsea's squad, they have a lot more deadwood, but they also do have a lot more quality at the top. Spurs' squad is about as unbloated a that's top finished. squad as you can see. In the, yeah, that's a, nice, that's a nice way to put it. There's no real, like, overloading in each position. It's almost like you're picking a Euro squad or a World Cup squad and you've got your numbers in front of you as to what you need because you're almost thin in each position as opposed to the other way around, which is why I've only got the two names down. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. Uh, I don't disagree with that statement at all. Um, I'm surprised to have seen some of the... I, I was surprised to see Sissoko go. Um, That's not confirmed yet, but it looks like it's happening. Yeah. Um, uh, even Alderweireld, actually, to be honest, I thought we'd be maybe trying to keep on to him, keep... There's, when you go through a big change like this with, well, I say big change, with Mourinho going out and a new guy coming in and what looks to be a transition from instant results to a bit of a project again, I think you need you, it is good to keep some form of stability around there, not with the players that are going to cause, obviously not keeping the players that are going to, you know, keep you, uh, keep you, like, stop you from progressing and yeah. for, cause some sort of stagnation. I don't think Alderweireld is one of those guys. I think he's quite a nice guy to have around from an experience and a stability perspective. Not your guy to take you forward, but he's not a bad centre-back by any means. So, you know, it's that was a bit surprising. Suzoko, apparently he's really influential in the changing room. Um, so whether that's... You, I got confused. Yeah, whether, whether that's just from a, like a a popularity perspective um i'm not too sure whether or like a morale perspective in terms of he's just like really popular because he's fun and you know he gets the gets the joy joy joyful side of things up in the he change better rooms. english than kane and larice yeah <laughs> yeah so um I, I i'm not sure maybe again I, i'm not disappointed that he's going it's you know he's one of those players which is inconsistent but um yeah hard to sort of justify yeah. offloading these players when I'm not overly confident about bringing in great alternatives. The thing, the thing with a player like him, I always think, is he's a good squad player. Is there any point in moving him on to get someone of similar quality who you'll probably yeah. have to spend more money on to get it? I always think and you he, could and he, keep him around. And he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that, he, as a squad player, and he, well, he hasn't, because he has been a squad player. But he yeah, he's not going to say, no, I've got to, he's not going to kick up a stink, is he? Yeah. In fact, yeah, exactly. you know, the fact that he's been a squad player for the past two years, um, and he's been classed as one of the most influential players in the change room, is probably a good sign that he's having a good effect in that role. So, uh, yeah, I'm just a bit baffled by that. Something in, we'd, we'll do our kind of predictions and things next week, but something I thought, and it was the first thing I thought when I saw Older Weirold leaving, is all the preseason rumblings say that uh, Nuno wants to go to uh, four at the back this season, despite the success he had with the five at Wolves. And that was kind of what took a turn for things at Wolves was when he tried to be a bit more expansive and play in a four. Now, if there's a point in the season when things aren't going well and he chooses to do that, Older Weirold with his Premier League experience and just the kind of style centre-back he is, probably would have been a great fit to have in Nuno's three. five definitely. at the back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting as uh, as we go on there. Um, it's fun. We'll go so, on. Sorry, sorry. just yeah. it's funny you say about the squad, how quickly things can change. And so I do yeah. remember a period last year where I was saying I thought Spurs are one of the strongest squads in terms of, it seems to have two players in each position. And you look at, say, 
I say compared to Liverpool squad, I say the starting eleven for Liverpool was obviously better. It went fully fit, but yeah. below that, I actually thought Spurs were stronger, for example, and they probably were stronger than everyone ever City or Chelsea. But now you've got a situation where obviously Bale's gone, Kane's up in the air. They get rid of some of the squad players, and suddenly it's looking a little yeah. bit thinner. Um, before we talk about Grealish, um, I'll ask uh, TK and Alex if they have seen them, and uh, I think I know Jack's answer already. Um, Movie Madness this week, we are doing uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade up against 1917. Wow, what are your thoughts, Alex? Really tough one. I'm I'm swaying towards the Last Crusade uh, just because of the vintage the, the vintage uh, aspects of it, and I, Indiana Jones is such a powerful character. Um, uh, but God, Jack just can't it the best out. trilogy ever, by the way, Indiana Jones. Uh, which gets up every time me and Keenan mention it. Uh, I'll, I'll go with Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones for me. TK, have you seen... Nine, I saw 1917 at Cinema with you, actually. Yes. You don't strike me as an Indiana Jones man. So I've only seen... This is going to be a bad, bad look. This. I've only seen one Indiana Jones film. I don't think it was this one. So the one at the end where the guy turns into the when you bust a nut and you keep sucking me? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's literally I how I know this film. No, I, I definitely know the meme, but I don't think I've saw that in a in a. Uh, <laughs> is it is it the temple? I bet it's the I bet it's the Temple of Doom that you've seen. The one with the gut where the um it's set in the I don't know if it's India or um. That's a rash one to have seen of the three. I think. I don't. I don't. Really I don't yeah, I, I, it, but I don't know what which one I've seen. If you've seen you, one, it's probably Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, you're probably right. Are uh, there Nazis? Are there Nazis in the one you've seen? This is ages ago as well. Uh, I have genuinely almost no recollection of it either. I, you are right, yeah. Luke. I don't. I don't know if Indiana Jones is for me. I remember being Jack, decided to be impressed. Need to ask you. You, you, TK, you, TK, you, TK, you've always told me that you like a guy in leather with a whip. Sorry, no, sorry, that, sorry, sorry, that was Sean. Sorry, you, you get easy mistake to make. <laughs> <laughs> we know your answer, don't we, Jack? Oh yes, you do. Yeah, yeah. I do love 1917, but not as quite as much as. Uh, that, Trilogy claim is really stuck with both Keenan and Sean. It's, it's it just feels so outlandish. It, but it, how it's it, I, Jack, I think it may be stuck with it, me. It's, it's a horrible, Jack, it's a horrible claim. Jack, it's are you saying it's Jack did it for two other trilogies and then decided no, on this? You one. don't need to say is it better, Alex. He, he just said it's best the best ever. trilogy. Yeah, but Jack, I need I need to hear it from you. So you're saying it's better than the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Yeah, say so. Oh, right, okay. Jesus Christ. Right. Well, level part, but I would still think it edges it. On goal difference. We'll, we'll move on because uh, we've had a glitchy episode, so we are a bit behind schedule. Um, so the, the question here, and just to put this on the table now, we're going to talk about Grealish at City, and I just want to make clear so we don't drift into Kane at City, which is an easy path to go down considering the cast uh, we have on this show <laughs> and the interests um, but we'll do Grealish and then we do have a question on Kane after so just so we don't drift away 
So the question is, where would Grealish fit in at City? I believe they put a bill on the table of £100 million, uh, at the end of last week. Grealish returned from his holiday a couple of days ago. It looks like Villa are at least going to accept that. And then it's with Grealish as to what he chooses to do. If we assume that he does accept the move, this is a question of where is he going to play at City? Also tying in, I know we have updates as we go through the pods usually. Torreira's just put an Instagram story up of him flying to Spain. So I genuinely don't know what is going on with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> just on the longest holiday ever. This club. Um, so if we have a look at Grealish then, so one of the most creative players in the league, whether passing or carrying the ball statistically, you would think on paper, kind of no surprise that City are in for him, if, even if, if we take the fee out of it for the moment. Um, his numbers, when you consider he played roughly 10 games less than each of these players, are in the same bracket for creating chances as Bruno, Mane, Mount, Trent, uh, Son and De Bruyne. Uh, he's actually second on most lists beyond De Bruyne. There is a conspiracy theory and this is why I mentioned Kane here, that they're signing on the basis that Kane wins the most fouls and Kane scores the most penalties. So that's why they want the double move, so Kane can put in the penalties that Grealish is going to draw. <laughs> it's going to take. Um, that's a very money ball so, way of looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> They've got an American in to do this. Yeah. Right. So... Sources close to Guardiola, uh, I say that as if I'm the one in the know, this is mainly from the Athletic and other sources, they say that Guardiola sees Grealish as an eight in his side rather than being on the left wing. Um, he believes that he'll be rotating with uh, Gunduan, although he does see him as the natural starter in his side, which I would hope if you're paying 100 million to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Grealish has come out before and so he does prefer playing centrally to out on the left um, as something I noticed we didn't do City actually with the uh, players we just done there so that's, that's my bad the thing is they don't have Deadwood do they, they have... well <laughs> so just City are trying to get rid of Bernardo Silva this summer which that's not Deadwood. <laughs> no, not Deadwood, I know, but the thing was about players they're no, trying no, to get I rid know of. What you mean. I'm just yeah. laughing um, at their options more. Yeah, than I do think any club with money to spend this summer should go straight to City because you are going to get some bargains cheap there. Bernardo Silva is the one if you can convince him to join you. I, I look at the guys Arsenal are linked with and say, this is a guy who could play as your 10 and out wide. Give him the money if he's prepared to play there, which. Mm. Uh, yeah. You never do know. Um, but they expect him to go out. Gunduan obviously, is an injury-ravaged player. Um, Grealish, despite his injury issues last season, traditionally can play around 30, 40 games a season, cup competitions, etc. Um, Pep has spoken about players like Grealish before, and it's been brought back up when it comes to this move. That's something that irritates him with Grealish, which will be something to keep an eye on. It's the same issue he had with Sterling that he spotted when he was at Liverpool. And it's despite the fact that he plays on the left, he controls the ball with the outside of his right foot and dribbles there. And he believes that if he can change this small thing and open it up so he's controlling the ball with the instep of his left foot, 
then he thinks he's got like a world beater player on his hands here. It is something that be interesting to look at next season. Sterling has got that out of his game. If you look at highlights from when he's at Liverpool compared to City now, and yeah. the amount of goals he has scored from the left. Um, Jack, if I go to you, do you think as an eight, that's the position where if you were Pep and you were signing Grealish for that kind of cash, is that where you would see him in your team as opposed to being out, out wide left? Yeah, I think it would. I think he's kind of wide left, born out of necessity, really, for Aston Villa because of you can have a, the ball a lot more at City. I think you'll be able to affect a lot more from the eight position. He's it's kind of like soak at the pressure and get it to Jack, see what he does with it, and try and get something off the back of either the foul that he's won or the assist that he's made. Um, so the the left wing is the perfect position for him to kind of hold up that play and get the pressure off a little bit. City, it'll be different. And we know that Sterling is very effective on the left and not so much on the right. So I, d- I just can't see him dislodging him. But and I think with F- Foden coming in off the right-hand side, I think the natural position is really to put him in the eight position next to De Bruyne, controlling that midfield, yeah. dribbling ability, etc. And it still then allows Man City to keep their pace on the wings, which I don't see Guardiola wanting to lose because it's a major asset for him. Well, it, it went wrong in the Champions League final, obviously, uh, TK, in terms of uh, how he set up. But it does seem that the way Pep wants to play is like a 4-3-3 with like a 6 and 2 eights rather than having like a 10. And he has the team kind of carrying it from deep and really kind of mm-hmm. driving at the opposition. And then they try and kind of park them in that final third, don't they, as they move them around. Mm. Do you think then that's why they're prepared to pay so much for Grealish? Because in terms of the numbers... There's obviously players out there that are putting up more and there's players that would probably offer more defensively if you're paying mm. that much for a midfielder. But do you think that's what he wants and that's why maybe he wants him in that position is his way of carrying the ball and drawing maybe players away? It would seem to be, wouldn't it? Because uh, I'm glad you brought up him saying he fancied it was an eight because at first I was thinking, where does this all fit in? Um, the odd thing being is, I don't know whether it's Pep's ego or what, but you'd probably think you could probably get someone who's maybe more ready to just go into that midfield straight away, yeah. probably for cheaper than you could for Grealish. I don't imagine Tillemans is going to cost 100 million, for example. I don't think, he, obviously very different players, but that's just a play off the top of my head. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of, it's so, it's such a unique team. In terms of this, this could work with Greenish. It, like to a lot of clubs, this would be sort of taking a chance. I kind of see Greenish. I've said it before on the pod as, as a ten, really, where you just need to give him that freedom. I do prefer him essentially to. I think Jack is right. He's playing on the left out of necessity for club and country, really, on the whole. Yeah, and I think that's where he would play if you give him. But a lot of teams don't play for ten, so he's not able to. So this would work in theory well at City against most teams. I don't. I do think of some of the. Bigger games, they might have a bit of a problem on their hands. Yeah. I'm not sure like what they work well. Sorry? Like they did with Chelsea in the Champions League yeah. final when they kind of Yeah, I, th- I think they will. There's so many games, they have so much of the ball that it, it really doesn't matter. You could kind of, you could pretty well play them anywhere. You, you said about his ego there, and I don't, I could play into it because previously the midfielder that they were getting a lot of links to was um, Nico Barella at Inter. And... Mm the thought of uh, midfield three and the formation they have with 
like Fernandinho or Rodri at the base, De Bruyne uh, as an eight, and then him as kind of a hybrid of the two. Seems like on paper that would be about as perfect a midfield as yeah. you could craft. And I don't know if it's the way people say about them kind of being drawn away from their kind of ticky-tacker way of kind of just getting at teams or anything like that. But it, it seems like if you've got all the money in the world, sometimes, and I equate this to football manager as I always do, I, I've seen Haaland on the market before, but sometimes I want to play different. I want to have like maybe Lukaku up front or you want to just try like Lotaro up front, someone a bit different. It may just be that he likes the style of Grealish as a player and wants to manage him in his career. And what Pep wants at City, Pep does seem to get. Yeah, and I guess they can roll the dice, can't they? You know, where we're saying there's probably more uh, logical fits there. They've got the money. They're yeah. still currently the standout team in the country. So they can roll the dice to a certain extent on, on a player like this. Which sounds crazy about a £100 million player. But... I am, um, and I don't know... I don't, it's not a hot take, but I think we may see him try John Stones at the base of that midfield at least once next season. Really? In the way that he wants legs there that Fernandinho perhaps might not be able to offer. And with Ruben Diaz and Laporte both being there, I wanted to get them all on the team. Maybe we'll see that next season. Maybe we get some nice English team in there. Um, I guess it helps with what we said with the other teams and what Jack referred to there with the flurry of options that they do have, you probably can afford to take a chance because ultimately City have won the league previously by beating the lesser teams. It's not been from smashing Chelsea and City and Liverpool and United. It's been from running over everyone else. And when they're playing, Burnley are always the team they get mentioned you can probably afford to have Grealish and De Bruyne there with just someone tucked in behind them. Had they um, had they not improved so much defensively last year, I would be asking serious questions of what this does in terms of defensively for this team. The Sort of the balance of it, because Grealish ain't going to do much of a no. shift on that front, is he? So essentially, you've got a holding midfielder and your defence, which when you look at most other... Sometimes you look at Liverpool and Chaz, for example, that midfield is going to be a lot more condensed than a Man City team, they're going to be a little bit easier to play for it. But they they did seem to solve their defensive issues out last year. Whether it was Ruben Diaz alone or, or a bit more than that, they seem a lot more solid anyway. I do think that could be that could be where we're looking at the greatest chance and he looks great. And then you'll see some results. You think oh, this maybe isn't quite as simple as we thought it was going to be. It's simple as him thinking the other team can't win if they don't have the ball. Yeah. Yeah, there's an element and probably an element of um, look, great team signs, great player. What can go wrong? But I, have I, did, seen... I did question last year when people's logic with that was Santiago that I thought great player plus great team doesn't necessarily mean the perfect fit. This is a much uh, better fit than that, I think, by the way. I do, I, it does I did... have an air of kind of a FIFA manager mode where it's... See, the money's here, so why not? Exactly, of, yeah. The, you've, yeah. You've got saw... the money there, you've got a great team that's just won the league. But have a bit of fun. Yeah, exactly that. Because <laughs> um, Byron's Sorry. point of like the Barella being a better fit and kind of crafting a midfield, this just seems like... There's more sensible options, aren't there? Yeah, they've it's, gone, it's like they, they should have gone for the Skoda. They're only driving to work, but they've still gone for the Ferrari. Yeah. If they got Verratti in there, it would have been sickening. 
Yeah, oh. it's oh. like the syrup on top of the sprinkles. This it's just <laughs> it, it's mental. I saw a take today that that said, and it maybe something to think about is um, for all of the praise Grealish gets about the amount he's fouled, and he was actually the most fouled player per ninety at the Euros with the minutes he played as well. Um, for City, that could be the absolute worst thing possible because it gives the defending team a chance to reset constantly. Mm. And so there's a take there that maybe it could be for the opposite. Um, and then the counterbalance to that is there seems to be like a like a phenomena around Grealish at the moment. And you even saw at the Euros, and there are far more talented players on the pitch. But when he came on, Scotland game as an example, like there were three, four players surrounding him at any one time. Mm. And I guess if you're City and you can free up more space for De Bruyne or Bernardo or Foden or whoever, that's only going to be a bonus. Alex, I did see it come back up, um, a tweet the other day, and I believe it was from two years ago, in which Spurs bid three million plus Josh Onomar to Jack Grealish. And I wondered how you thought about that now. Uh, Sorry, what was the bid? How much? Three three million pounds plus Josh Onomar for Grealish. That was two years ago. Well, it was so it was the season before they came up. Hmm. So what? Three years ago. Three years ago, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, did we is did we go in again for him after that with Pochettino still in charge? You were linked for quite a while. I'm well, in the bar. I thought still I thought, been in charge there, wouldn't he? I'm in the I thought we made a. Thought he was going to go. Yeah, no, Pochettino still would have been in charge two years ago, but I feel like we we made just a pure money bid for him, something like 20 mil or something like that, and he turned it down. Uh, well, not he didn't turn it down, but Aston Villa rejected it, and we didn't yeah. have our bid. I think it was you. they were one of 35, and you weren't willing to go out to it. Oh. Yeah. yeah, so uh, effectively, yeah, any transfer right now for, for, with him, whether it's 3 million for and, uh, and a player and like 20 million refusing to go up to 35 a year and a half ago or two two years ago however long ago it was it no, does so it three does, three years ago yeah it it, it doesn't look good it it what, at the it's time, all that. no it's yeah it's it's thing is though we've been on the you know we've benefited from being that team that kept that player as well uh, in terms of you know like Kane Josh Schoenemar has been great no 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 but yeah, it was always it was always going to be. We were always going to be on the end of the stick in another way at some point. Alex, if um, we're still doing the pod in five years' time, we've got a Spotify exclusive deal. Um, we're top of the charts. Joe Rogan is asking, "How do you do it?" And uh, we do one of our hit or miss podcasts about Man City's transfer dealings. Do you think we're looking at Grealish and we're saying a hit or a miss for a hundred billion pounds? Um, I'm going to go with hit. I can't remember. Oh, George. Oh, sorry to jump in. I was just going to say I can't remember many Guardiola era misses, which is scary. Um, they've never had a a Morata or a Torres. Probably they get a. Yeah, I mean that's a valid point. I mean, I think that's a different level of miss, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, get the next one in so you don't remember the guy that did miss. Yeah, (laughs) and the good ones aren't shining so much that you forget like a thirty million Mangala or whatever because the Grado. I maintain he had an all right season. Yeah, well, he wasn't They'd been... terrible. But he spent a decent price on him to the point where you wouldn't call it a hit. Was Negredo a Pep Guardiola player? 
Signed in 2013. <laughs> it's Pellegrini, oh, isn't it? Pellegrini, yeah. Question was about City in a minute, wasn't it? Yeah. The, uh, um, I, I think, to answer question, you could end yeah. up in a scenario... Uh, the, the closest you're going to get to a miss is kind of like where would you see Mara's? I would see it kind of somewhere in there where you, you can't say he's been a miss, but he maybe hasn't been quite what you might have thought from a Premier League player of the year going to the best team. Stan I think that would be the closest. If not, I mean, they're probably going to win everything and Greenish will play. So he it'll said be a hit. This is he the thing is look at Mara's. With Mara's, that's the closest thing they've got to a miss, and he's still been pretty decent. You'd take it at most teams, wouldn't you? I know the, the, the fee is high, but... They're going... Man City seem to be going down the kind of Bayern Munich route of buying players, the best players from the same league of which they're in. Just bullying the league. Yeah, pretty much. Like you look at Sterling, you look at um, potentially Grealish, you look at Mahrez. Stones. Yes, yeah, Stones. They're buying tried and tested players from the league of which they're playing in already. So... That transitions maybe a little bit less than say buying in from abroad and giving them a couple of seasons to hit the ground running, and they did seem to be doing it again where they go and end up getting Grealish and obviously the Kane rumours today etc. But you know that they're prem kind of tested and tried, so it's yeah. hard to see anything but a hit here from. Um, from the- yeah, Moore did an interview and the less said about him, probably the better. But he said that. <laughs> Grealish should probably compare his aspirations and look at whether he would be happy with the career that Mahrez has had at City or not. He said, in terms of playing time, that's probably going to be similar. A first season where you get your way into the team and adjust to the system that they want to play. And then the amount of games that you play even as someone that Pep trusts is probably somewhere around that much. With what you said about City's transfer saga, or I guess previously they had to buy two, three, four at a time to get their squad to how it is, and now they're happy mm. with their squad. They can do the two signings a window for this kind of money and uh, the luxury purchases. With it. Yeah. it is so, a very frightening thought to think that they can just pull these out every summer. Would you say this, Jack, in a window where you've been talking about Chelsea getting Haaland for £160 million? <laughs> 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 I mean, I'd still... I would still rather get Haaland for 160 mil than Kane. Oh, I agree. For 200. Oh, for sure. Um, we'll go on to Harry Kane now then. So next week, maybe we'll have more clarity and we'll be previewing City Spurs on the first day of the season. So that could be interesting. Um, Harry Kane today, a transfer target for Man City, did not return to the Tottenham training ground as expected amid speculation over his future. Spurs, when questioned, offered no explanation for the reasons for his absence. Um, always good yeah, reports say Kane felt he had a gentleman's agreement with Tottenham chairman Daniel Levy that he could leave the club this summer <laughs> gentleman's CK, agreement Daniel Levy I'll ask Come on. you first and then we'll go to you Alex I have a separate question for you in terms of Spurs offering no explanation when this initially broke they said okay well what actually was happening was Kane had to have some Covid testing today just to check that he was clear to return to training do you think it's telling that Spurs offered no excuse and they jumped straight to like, oh, we got no explanation for it, he should have been back in training, rather than seemingly trying to make it less of a story? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. This By not saying anything, you're saying a lot, aren't you? 
because um, the club could put out anything. They could have come up with any excuse as to why he wasn't there. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but I yeah, but in fairness, I I I agree with the stance that they took because if you lie and it gets if you lie if you lie if you if you lie and you get away with it, but then it comes out afterwards or you lie and they get find out about it, it looks bad, like you're panicking and you're scrambling. The way they handled it now, it's like, well, we know what he's, we know why he hasn't come to training, but we don't really care. We know what our stance is and tough shit. So, so oh. we we've seen these sagas play out before. Today, um, when we were speaking, TK um, said to me that it, it's almost hard to believe that there's any kind of controversy, not around Kane turning up, but whether it's the right thing for him to do. I think was the point you were making to me because I saw Rio Ferdinand saying effectively, look. First of all, he had a Pogba point, but then he was like, "Look, it's the right, it's it's the right thing to do." Um, meanwhile, Carragher was saying, "This, this is the worst, it's absolutely the wrong thing to do. He shouldn't be doing this to Tottenham." So on, so on. Um, Alex, do you think the way that Levy is, the way that uh, the transfer window is ticking down, do you think Kane has a choice, but to play no. it his way? No, I don't think he has a choice. I think he. I I think he has fallen afray here of falling for Daniel Levy having a gentleman's agreement with him. And I think he's wasted. I think he's realised in the last few days that a lot of time has been wasted. Uh, I think the move for Jack Grealish has maybe made him panic a little bit because I think City is obviously the most likely destination. So I think he's got to try. He's got he's got to take firm stance. He's got basically he's got to take as firm stance as Spurs are taking. So. Yeah, I I don't I don't blame I don't blame him for what he's doing. I I think his hands are tied. Even not loving Levy. You you can still you can demand the transfer and still turn up. It just seems an odd an odd sort of excuse to make for it. I I think what's happened is is that he's been coaxed into signing a six year deal on the proviso don't leave his term and said, All right, give us one more year and we accept gives us protection, means we can ask for big money. We mm. expect big money and we'll let you go for big money as soon as that comes in next season. And then maybe it's kind of City forcing their hand a little bit, forcing with these with Grealish on the table as well. I mean, they've got the money to go and buy both, don't get me wrong. But it, like Alex said, it could be a case of Kane seeing all these 100 million Grealish rumours and thinking, shit, they're going to have no money to buy me. So I need to make Just- it happen. To go back imagine, to the, imagine if... TK, one sec, one sec. Um, so when, when you texted me and said that you found it hard to believe that there was kind of a debate, I took this as you were saying that he's absolutely right to be doing it. So are you the other way around? You you, you think he should be turning up while still well, demanding a transfer? Well, listen, I, I get why you want to do this and some of you want this move. I just don't see how it's being debated by players like Phil and the Carragher or whatever saying whether it's the right thing to do. It's quite clearly the wrong thing to do. Whether, I, I strongly disagree. No, but but I mean, just objectively speaking, should the captain of the club turn up to work? Oh, yes, he should. Is is yeah, the, yeah, and, yeah. and any other player, and certainly a foreign player, maybe Rio was right to go with the Pogba one, would be slated for this. Uh, players kick up a fuss to leave Liverpool constantly, but still turn up to the training ground. The, and yet, St. Harry Kane is a different story. So, just find it really weird. The debate, though, I think, is whether it's right in terms of getting the move. Because, do you think? And whether he gets the move or not, you you must think it increases his chances of leaving, not turning up for training, rather than going in and being a model kind of 
Yeah, you've yeah. seen Spurs players before. Modric did this and got the move. Berbatov did this and got the move. It's pretty tried and tested, even when you just go through Spurs history. Yeah, I, I, it is that you've got to do what you got to do to get a move. I, I understand that as the player, but I think you can you can tell Spurs that look, I'm I'm leaving no matter what, and tell City to get their acts get their act together and still turn up to trainer. I just find it a little bit weird that I don't know that we we sort of condone that. This guy that everyone's say, kind of commending on his professionalism he, and how much he loves the club. I don't think he's been commended, but it's more just... Do you not think the whole thing, give me a second, is that this guy is a great guy, loves the club, and the ultimate professional. This completely flies in the face of that. Yeah, for sure. I took it as people Tomorrow's saying... still turned up for training, for God's sake. I think he had uh, probably less money in the bank than Kane does. Yeah, but again, has, we're, we're trying to find a reason for it, aren't we? Has, I find um, it a bit weird. Has, um, have I, I haven't missed this. He hasn't handed in a transfer request, has he? Yeah, he, well, unofficially. In a manner of speaking. Not, well, that, that's the thing, isn't it? I suppose you could make the argument is the professional way of doing it is turning up training, but formally handing in a transfer request. You, you leave Obviously, millions think, on the table and you do that, which is why it's never done officially, because you surrender all your loyalty bonuses and things like that. Oh yeah, so, but the thing is, the as well, as a manager kind of hand, saying, handing in that notice or leaving, like no one resigns anymore. No. Um, I, I suppose the thing is, like, I don't know whether something like has happened behind the scenes that we're like we haven't. Well, we're never going to have a full picture on what's going on, but whether something's been said or an offer's been put down, and uh, City are in. Like, <laughs> well, they, they bid a hundred million. That's... Yeah, I know, but could you could you imagine if this Jack Grealish bid is the biggest is like a bluff? Is <laughs> is like the biggest bluff Russell to get Grealish. Yeah, uh, I the the other problem with this is is it's kind of like you know when like, you see someone go on strike and you think, well, I know you're going to be back in work next week. If City don't get it, he's going to go back into training. Yeah, he's this is the best it. thing about it. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. So it's kind of like if I thought he is just never going to go back in. I'd say, well, I can at least see this. But he is going to go back in if they don't get a deal. It, it, could, be, it could be hilarious Sorry. that if it all comes to a head because of this and TK's right and he doesn't get the bid, then he goes to Chelsea. <laughs> Imagine that. That's what I was about. Uh, well, I, I could uh, see. Uh, I could see Roman go, oh, it fuck it. For about a day. Uh, I'd get my tweets off and then think, this is horrific. Like, <laughs> you see him in that Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. My, my stance isn't that it's, it's the right thing to do. I, I think you're dealing with a guy in, in Levy who prides himself in being like this. And so I, I think it, I think it works in Levy's favour as well, because I think he now has more of a licence to sell in that he can say, we don't want anyone disrupting the team. From Kane's perspective, I think it probably benefits him that he obviously had a great respect for Jose. He obviously had a great respect for Poch. He's not met Nuno yet, and so it's not like he's kind of chucking it in his face and he's not turning up for training with, with someone that he knows and trusts and has a bond with. I think it's kind of fallen into place for him. And yeah. he's probably been advised. He, he agents-wise, it's not like he has a Raiola or Jorge Mendes or someone that knows how to orchestrate a transfer. And you see with a lot of these players, don't you? You saw with Pogba when he wanted to leave. 
Pogba didn't say a word. Raiola would get on TalkSport, he'd get on Sky Sports, yeah, and he'd yeah. give all these long interviews. Kane's agent is his brother, and Kane's brother's only client is Kane. Like, the, the guy managing this, the fact that the whole thing was put out right before the end of the season about him wanting to leave, it, it's like a, a rookie going into this game yeah, yeah, leaving sure. So. I think it's the only way Kane gets to move is is him effectively acting like a sport brat. Modric did it and Spurs fans still love him, so I don't think it even affects how he'll be seen afterwards. No, and look, we are pretty desensitised to what footballers will do to get a move, aren't we? It's not like this is the worst thing ever. Footballers have done a lot to make sure they get the transfer. How did you feel when you saw the move when you saw the news, Alex? Uh, not surprised. Not not surprised at all. I, I, is it changing I, I, your opinion I, I, of Kane? Like not not at all, not at all. I I've been openly accepting of him. Like I, I just this, this is insane. Last, this is insane. Last, last year, <laughs> last, I, I'm surprised that we kept him after last year. Like I, I I'm genuinely surprised. I thought we were gonna. I didn't expect to have him for Except this season. Acceptance weird. Yeah, yeah, this no, is the most this, like yeah, this, this I've ever seen. Is, no, no, this is the thing, right? I. I don't want him to go under any circumstances. If we can keep him and he's still the player that we've had for the past few years, I'll be. You might not get. You, you don't get both. I'm afraid. I I I genuinely. I, I just, just have no issue with him not turning up. I I of course I of course I have issue with him not turning up. Of course I do. But I'm you, you, said you, didn't. you just said yeah. you didn't have an issue with it. You said you agreed with it. It's no. just like me reading the Van Persie statement and going, you know what, fair enough, no. I do agree with you. <laughs> yeah. You twisted it, because I said if I was in his shoes, I'd be doing the exact same thing. No, you I guess, I said, how did you feel when you saw the news? And you said, yeah, I, I expect I said, it. And I said, do you agree with him? You said, yeah. The tape won't no. be nice for you. Like. Uh, I, I, no, I didn't say that. I said, I... Okay. I said I wasn't surprised, and I expected it. I didn't say. Yeah, I said, does it change your opinion of him? And you said no, not at all. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You said you don't blame him. But I, I expected him to leave in this window, and I expect no, there's ways of going about it. I, I expected him. I expected him to put move in this window, and I expected him to have to go to have to go about it in this way because I know what Daniel Levy's like and what he, what other previous players have had to do. I don't see what's so controversial. You didn't about expect it. him to leave a couple of months back, so this is changing by the day. Well, no, I. I thought I, a few months ago, when before before there was any sort of movement at all in the transfer window, when everybody was a little bit uncertainty on like the pandemic effect and what financial situation all the clubs are in, I didn't think it was going to be a you know a, a vibrant transfer window at all. And with the with the business that's been done all right, I've, I've been surprised by the business in the window full stop so far. So as soon I can as you understand me, TK Jack saying, "Fair enough, you got to do what you got to do." When it's when it's your own club captain, yeah. this is this is a weird like yeah because it's it's like putting saying above the club you, yeah right, you're exactly say, exactly you say you're saying our club captain first of all you know for a fact that I've never liked him as our club captain at all I don't rate him he's as a captain. club captain is he it's Lloris but he's still your main your main man he's our main he's our main talent without a shadow of a doubt but what you've got to remember is as a Spurs fan in the last few years. I've seen Modric go. I've seen Bale go, and they've been. Were you our asked first time when Modric left? We've been, <laughs> we've been our best, we, we've seen our best players go, and we've come back from it. You know, it's that, that's it, not the, that doesn't. That's yeah, not that's the, the same. Like, no. you Jack, just say the same think, for us. 
it's yeah, probably Arsenal, a bit different. I don't know if Jack's seen a transfer so saga with a player he wanted to. What, Jack Hazard, to okay. You're you're taking you're taking my acceptance of Kane going as as like me wanting him to leave. You're no, paying no, for Uber, but it's like I I wasn't looking you're at packing his bags for him. Barca chasing Fabregas and Pepe Reina pulling a Barca shirt over his head and going, you know what, Gazidis didn't want him to go. He, he's doing what he has to do. I didn't look at Van Persie and say, all right, fair enough. We're not making moves in the transfer market. He's got to do what he's got to do going to United. It it. Y- you put the club over the player and you seemingly, it's like, you're seeing Kane as bigger than the club in that, all right, fair enough, he's got to do what he's got to do. Not at all. What I'm seeing is a relationship that's ended and I don't see, I don't see it being great if he, I don't see it being great if he stays. Like you just said, we don't, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get both. If he stays, it's not going to be the same. So I, I, I'm just, I, I'm accepting of the fact that, the, the Harry Kane that we've had for the last two seasons, regardless of whether he stays or goes, it's it's done. It, it's done. I don't see it being a good relationship if he stays. I don't. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure just last week we had a thing of if Kane stays, what season do you think you'll have? And I think yeah. I said I think you'll have a season as normal, and I think you agreed with me. And I said yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, it it's it's a it's a strange way to be because when I came on here today, I expected TK to be the other way around, and I still think unless I'm still interpreting it wrong, TK, you're saying he's probably doing what he has to do, but you, you don't see why he's being praised for it, or why he's He's been a total piece of shit, but he's just doing what every other footballer does, he's a total piece of shit I just don't know why he's not being called that it, I just find it really this kind of weird thing that we've got to feel sorry for Harry Kane because Tottenham haven't won any trophies. Like he has no input into that. Oh, like he, turning up to a Champions League final would have helped Tottenham win a trophy, but he didn't want it. And there's other things. So I find this weird sort of violin playing for Harry Kane not winning a trophy real, real odd. How many other players haven't won a trophy? I, I don't. I don't. I, I'm not playing the violin for Harry Kane. I don't think. No, but, I, it's shithousery, but that is the world of football these days. I don't know what you were. Exp- I don't oh, know what anybody no. was expecting. That's a cop out. Yeah, it's the, it's I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you where Spurs fans are at with it is that they've come, they've had to have this hard acceptance that Kane's going to leave to the point where they've kind of just gaslit themselves into going, you know what, we'll support him leaving over the club trying to keep him. Like if the club actively desperately tries to keep him, you really want to keep him and he goes and you go, okay, fair enough. That's one thing, but it's kind of like there are villa fans know. calling Grealish a snake. <laughs> I mean, that's how he's, and that's he's the other side it. of the spectrum. That's <laughs> if if news broke during the Euros that City were interested in Saka, Saka was due back in training tomorrow. He didn't turn up. I'd be raging. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. It's, it's weird those different that's, cycles. That, that, that's, cycles a different scenario. that's a different scenario entirely. Well, Saka's won more trophies than Kane. <laughs> That way, is a scenario because he's at the start of his journey with Arsenal and Kane is like quite a long way down the road with him with the relationship. Who's so. to say? Maybe maybe he won't be. Maybe he's going to be staying. Like I attribute it a lot to the Hazard one. I knew he was going. I was sad that he was going, but I believe that yeah, it's probably the right time for him to go to go off to win the Champions League at Real Madrid and then he ends up winning it. When I was saying about you hadn't had a saga, I was thinking about, I, I couldn't remember one with Chelsea matter would have been the one where I really didn't want him to okay. go. Okay. But I would but say, still, I don't think you've been bullied by a club. He still didn't himself, though. He kind of no. got You haven't been bullied before. by a club like Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, whereby 
No, Meryl Medjidal Bars would have come in. Uh, uh, and Fabregas one was horrific. Cool. Like, I think I think the Hazard one suited Chelsea in a way, in terms of they knew this was coming and they knew the money they were going to get. Whereas I'd say Arsenal and Liverpool Spurs have all fielded offers that are unwelcome and they've had to go with. Courtois was probably the worst one at 30 million for him. Yeah, that's fair. I I tried um, starting a Facebook campaign against Xavi after Fabregas left. Um, (laughs) I started a Facebook page um, and it was called something along the lines of um, Piss Off Xavi, Fabregas is staying at Arsenal. I think it had about about 17 members and... um, (laughs) I didn't have it in me to close it when he did leave. I just left it open. Oh, my gosh. And years later, I got a, a notification like, uh, you can now edit the settings on your group. Um, I, I do remember you did take real issue with um, Rainer putting that shirt on. Like, that was the swinger. Like, that was the swinger. Like, <laughs> it was the fact that he's just done this. He's going to go now. It was like, I don't know why it was him. That was the thing. Was <laughs> that was what he was in those squads for, because he was just a bit of a character. That was the whole thing. <laughs> It was in for nothing uh, else. He knew he wasn't going to play. No, I I, um, I appreciate Rayner a lot more now. Um, now I'm not playing against him. Like sometimes <laughs> when I want like a third keeper, I put a manager. I I feel like I'm doing him a favour bringing him in just because <laughs> he just makes me laugh when I, when I see him like floating about. Especially when it was it Miller he went to. It was one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I quite like that. They had that bum keeper, the other one that he managed to force out the team. Um. So basically, to, to close out this segment, Alex, um, if Kane doesn't turn up tomorrow, are you taking a day off work partying? Or? <laughs> when are you ordering the City shirt? With his name on the back. <laughs> he is, isn't he? He's definitely ordering a City shirt. <laughs> Byron, Byron's, uh, Byron's already got a City shirt, so that should tell you a lot about that question. <laughs> well, gifted by you, weirdly. You were preempting things. <laughs> We can get Kane put on it. He kind of back if you want to. Probably uh, you'll squeeze into it a bit better. <laughs> the only reason I'll be cel- the only the only reason the only thing that I'll be celebrated about Kane leaving is if it's 150 million, I can turn around to Luke and I can go. Told you so. How much it was? How that much would be, if he went? That's thing, weird to me still. The thing is, <laughs> look, he's got to take whatever straws he can get here, Luke. Come on, give him a break. The, the thing is with Spurs as well, for the way they spent that bail money, do you really trust them with it? No, what? not at all. But I'd still take it. But for me to, but what, what better, what better payment is there than turn around to Byron and going, "I told you so." He did not even a hundred, according to Luke. Not even a hundred. Not even a hundred. Time is, uh, time is ticking in terms of how they spend that money as well, Jack. I would mm. say, uh, don't let Loftus cheek go too quick because <laughs> yeah. uh, Spurs, Spurs, when they go on their uh, FIFA transfer listed section and see Tammy. <laughs> Well, Tammy might be the replacement. So uh, there we go. Um, CK, should we get into the basketball next week uh, or do you want to do it now? We can quickly touch on it. It won't take us a minute, will it? Well, uh, bid farewell to uh, Jack and AJ unless Alex has any hot takes on Russell Westbrook's uh, trade to the Lakers. Uh, I don't, I'm afraid. (laughs) He didn't didn't kick him a fuss either, so... uh, (laughs) <laughs> that's what a model professional does for I'd love, Kane to, to, I'd love Kane to do a Harden TK if he just came back massive <laughs> for context there Alex, Five stone uh, overweight. yeah Harden wanted a trade and he came back and his like belly was busting out of his vest <laughs> when he I'm was like playing a, games what a Higuain 
Yeah, but like imagine it, it would look it, hideous it, on Hate Kane as well, wouldn't it? It would look so yeah. bad. He'd look like that lookalike. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> God, that man there doesn't need to look like he's moving any slower across the pitch as well. <laughs> oh. I did see a tweet that said. Um, Maybe Kane is actually on his way to training. He's just jogging from the centre circle. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We'll bid you farewell and uh... yeah, adios, boys. Cheers. Adios. Cheers. All right. As we close this one out, then the blockbuster trade that we had on draft night, uh, largely uneventful draft night actually. Uh, mm. Russell Westbrook was traded to the Los Angeles Lakers uh, in a blockbuster deal with the Wizards. I know a lot of the kind of uh, discussions taking place around the Wizards beforehand was whether Beal was going to get a move more than Westbrook. Yeah. Seeing there was more of a market for him. Uh, Celtics were linked with Beal, I know, and it was basically how much Celtics were willing to give up um, because I think they wanted one of uh, Jalen Brown or uh, Tatum, which obviously they're never going to do. News probably broke, what would you say about Half 11 our time, maybe? Half 10, mm. half 11 our time? Yeah. Seemingly out of nowhere. There were no kind of rumblings beforehand, which is maybe one of the best things about the NBA. Um, Westbrook now joins LeBron James, Anthony Davis to form a new super team in LA, becoming the seventh former MVP to be acquired by the Lakers, as well as the first to be traded in three consecutive seasons. Um, I think we both looked at this as a bit of a horror show when it first happened. Has your mind changed on that at all? It's probably going to be a lot of fun, but still a horror show nonetheless. I, I I don't know about you. I just don't know that it uh, sort of takes them over the edge in any way. No, because a lot of the success Russ has had and the reason he is the guy he is was because he was seemingly the one-man band, wasn't he? There was the records yeah. of the triple-doubles. Um, in fact, the first ever podcast we did was focused yeah, yeah. around if you could, what was it, if you could build a franchise with one NBA player, who would it be? I think, I, so. think I may have chosen Russell Westbrook. I think we may have put LeBron off the table. Um, he had the time with KD and they couldn't get it over the line there. He had the time with James Harden. They couldn't get it over the line there. I can't see that he gets any more of the ball between LeBron and AD than he does with just Harden. Like Harden is like two players worth. But then when you spread that between LeBron and AD, I guess AD will be the one who'll suffer in terms of touches on the ball. But it seems strange, particularly when you look at this summer and how the NBA's played out. And a deep roster goes far more than a top-heavy Top heavy side. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's the way it played out obviously this year as well. That you know, the the role players, whatever, were, were more important. Yeah. And the thing with the thing with Russ, they'll have this initial thing where like, well, the three of us sat down and we all agreed we would sacrifice or whatever. And whenever you see with Westbrook, it always starts like that and then slowly, slowly kind of goes back to, to what he does. Because he has one way of playing, which is very, very good but it's been shown it's not always best in the uh, for the team. I guess the feeling is that, that if LeBron's going to have to have more minutes on the bench, then Russ can do his thing on the floor. And yeah. basically, you're not going to be losing out too much by having LeBron on the bench, which I guess I, I see some logic to, and it's going to win him a lot of games. 
Yeah. But in the playoffs, where they're going to need to get past the best teams, I don't know that he's going to change their fortunes. When you, at a very basic level, when you look at that team, you think it needs more shooting, and Russ can't really shoot. So no, which is I know it's pretty simple maths, but like his points per game looks like a guy that is like raining buckets, but his uh, what is it like? If you had an average of kind of points per shot, his would be in like oh, the bottom. Not, you wouldn't call him efficient. No, because when he stinks, it's 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 bad. Because that's, that's the thing. It doesn't really stop either. It just carries on. No. But you can't really with his style of play, and it probably looks a lot yeah. like what Julian Randall looked like with the Knicks uh, <laughs> in postseason uh, this year. But that the other argument was that LeBron was going to become more of a pass-first guy. He was going to have to rely on driving to the basket less because he'd have uh, Westbrook and AD there um, to do it. But that's why something like the Buddy Heald move made far more sense because he's a shooter. Like, if, yeah. Le- if LeBron has to do less of that and he can ping it out and look for someone open and you surround him with three-point shooters and uh, guys that can get to the basket, it made perfect sense. But it looks like the Lakers organization have said LeBron has a couple of years left before we start to see a noticeable decline. Like This was the first year he'd really been injured any mm. longer than a couple of games. Um, so that may have scared them, but it, it seems an odd, an odd one to it, kind of stake your franchise on. It feels very LA, very we've gone for the blockbuster name rather than maybe the more the more sensible option. Well, Houston tried it, didn't they? With um, the um, the amount they gave to OKC in terms of draft picks, and the Lakers have now just got nothing left in terms of movement. No, they they are look, gambling all on this, aren't they? Like you said, it's probably the last year maybe two years of LeBron close to his peak you're probably going to see a decline in this next sort of couple of years so all uh, all chips are on the table and I, I just don't know if this was the right move when you're going all in to win I don't know that this is the one no especially when to watch but what well, Chris Paul has declined his uh, player option and the, the the thought is he'll probably resign with the Suns but he'll just get an, he'll get a final contract out of it yeah, I sort of think of how much money he would be sacrificing if he went to the Lakers, for example. That was never on the table, was it? I think I think he'd lose like thirty or forty million or something. Like, why is oh, okay. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a Just, lot of money to miss out. How, that's asking how much do you value a championship? Yeah, yeah. and I I think if you say eight or nine million off, yeah. you'd say okay, well this is weird for us saying that. Isn't it? Money, but when it's that sort of money, okay, that's that's a lot. Yeah, I feel odd for us saying about. Only leaving eight or nine on the table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But even Whereas, still, they could have spread that money between others, even if it was just getting some lesser star power, lesser guys a, star power. It's a funny thing with, um, and you know, who are we to question it? But it's a funny thing with LeBron over the years, whereby he has tended to go with, we're going to have a team, like you said, top heavy, got talent. But then you look at the bench. And they're like, this is hideous. And even in the ones where he's won, you've looked at it, you think, oh, this bench is fucking disgusting. But he's it's, it's obviously had enough to be able to get over the line. But then there's yeah. been plenty of times where he hasn't had those, those options. You look around the league at the top teams, almost all of them are going to have a stronger uh, sort of rotation than the Lakers. I think they're putting a Bucks Suns final down as an anomaly. And much yeah. like all of us, I think... LeBron's phone was popping up with uh, Watch Bomb all through uh, 
last season and seeing the Nets acquire another all-star and he's mm-hmm. thinking, how am I, how am I going to compete with that? And Russ is the guy that was available, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're interested in bringing in Carmelo. That's a, that's another guy who's... Uh, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> shooters, he, he had a career best from three, so maybe that makes more sense, but I don't know. Even if, some, even if they'd gone for someone like... I'd have trusted them bringing in Lonzo more than them bringing in Russ because they could have used him as a shooter and he could have been moving the ball when LeBron's on the bench. Mm, it's it's an old way because the, the LeBron pass, pass first point guard is, I think, is the right move. It's just that them, and I think yeah, the, the idea that Russ can get to the basket at will, whatever it is, is valid, but it seems the, the most obvious concoction has always been if, if LeBron's on the ball passing first that you surround him with shooters. And in this current setup, he just doesn't have that. Do you uh, think I, I think a, they can get so far with this, but I think there's a ceiling. Do you think there's a part of it where they look at AD's injury record and they're saying who's the next guy that can carry most of the load if he's out? I guess, I guess there is an element, isn't there, that if he gets injured, if LeBron has another injury ravaged season, that Russ has experience of dragging teams through yeah. and he's got the, certainly the, the strength of personality to carry that dressing room where other people won't. So maybe there is that. And maybe there's been a lot of questions over AD's mentality and his attitude. Maybe having like a dog like Russ in there maybe is partly to try and drag it that out of him a little bit as well. Because he well, was stands for AD sort of being flaky. No, I, I don't never that like could go the other way, by the way. Yeah. Because um, Russ has alienated people before. Well, Skip was speaking earlier and that's why I said I never liked quoting him. But... Uh, <laughs> He, he brought up the fact that a couple of years ago um, when the moves happened, uh, Russ called up uh, Kawhi and said about them teaming up. And then Kawhi took that and phoned Paul George and said, look, he's planning to leave you. Why don't you join me instead? Because he clearly thought that if he's going to win a championship, he had a far greater chance of doing it with Paul George than he did with Russell Westbrook. That's so sneaky from Kawhi. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's quite how uh, Skip describes it, but you can see it. You yeah, see it. but yeah, it's I mean that's, that's that's a valid comparison because you'd say Russ for all his individual numbers and great seasons, that Paul George probably is easier to play with. He is an easier fit, yeah. and if you're the main man, you could slot in next to him. Hasn't quite worked for the Clippers, but he has played well actually. Paul George hasn't he? So yeah, yeah. The 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 move I want to see. This summer is uh, Ben Simmons to the Warriors, but apparently what uh, the 76ers are asking for in return is just horrific. Like they're asking for kind of the Paul George Hall that OKC raked in in kind of return for him, which when right. you're trying to get rid of a guy is strange. Um, yeah, they're in a funny position with him because obviously they, it's quite clear they want to get rid of him, but also do want a premium for him. Kind of what we said about the transfer window earlier. Well, it is. It is very much like a Premier League transfer, isn't it? Where you want to get rid of the guy, but you also you don't want to be shortchanged. Because in 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 layman's terms, a guy who can't shoot very well but can supply and defend, linking up with two of the greatest shooters the NBA has ever had, is a great thing on paper. I I mean, I saw some like not debate, but a little bit like the jury's out on him going to Warriors. I thought that doesn't seem a more obvious fit than that that would seem like a match made in heaven 
and it's one thing you would like to see it playing out. Yeah, it's the first thing we spoke about in our chat after they were eliminated and said they wanted him to go. Was how can we get him to the Warriors? If they did, I feel like I I know it depends on what they have to give up, but you'd make them almost prohibitive favourites in the West. I think they'd be up there. I did see. Um, I think people Celtics. are going to forget wanted uh, Luka Doncic, but I wouldn't get your hopes up on that too much. The the problem with uh, the Celtics is, is that everybody, whenever there's a trade, obviously everybody wants Jalen Brown or something in there. Yeah. And I think they really don't want to lose him, but do you really want to play it? So they're stuck in purgatory. Where It looks like um, Marcus Smart's the guy that's going to be traded in any move. But then that's not going to be enough to get somebody's best guys. Do you know what I mean? He's, no, no, no. And I, I like Marcus Smart, but the problem yeah. is they're, most teams are going to say, they want Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and Sarek obviously are taking a couple of big steps back as they lose them yeah. to get someone like Doncic or whatever. Is, it's not like if they did that, you'd suddenly say, right, Sarek's going to blow them away because then you'd have basically a yeah. two-man team and I'd take them Doncic. I've just got bad. a horrible vision in my head of the Celtics going after Paul Zingis, by the way, so just to brace you for that. That bum. You need scary Terry back. That's what you need for a title. <laughs> It works out anyway. Well. Yeah, that should just about do us. In in, in line with the uh, Prem preview next week, if we uh, we'll talk about the winner of uh, Cyril Garn and Derek Lewis as well. We have a big pod next week, so uh, oh, yeah, and I'll see if Goff wants to come on to talk about United uh, as part of our preview. So we'll see how things go. But until then, fun. yeah, thank you for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. We'll be back. Goodbye.